In the minds of some, when the word heaven is mentioned, images of a white robe, harps, angel wings, halos, and sitting on a cloud for all eternity in a never-ending church service come to mind. It's no surprise why some people picture heaven as a place to go be bored for the rest of eternity. But how does the Bible describe the place believers go when they die? What does it mean to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord? What's that place like? Is that the same as the new heavens and the new earth the book of Revelation talks about? While we're on the topic, what are we going to be doing for all eternity? Will we see our old pets? Will we recognize loved ones and remember our lives on earth? Will we eat? Drink? Watch baseball? Why does it God let everybody into heaven? And will there be uh, sex in heaven? Welcome, 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 all you men and women and boys and girls and everyone in between to the Beards and Bible Podcast. My name is Josh. I'm joined by my co-host, Gabe. Gabe, how are you this morning? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Uh, it's a little later than we usually record, so I think we're, uh, yeah. in my end, we're running into more of a risk of having child run-ins here into the office. Mm. But mm. um yeah, doing well. Uh, today's my mom's birthday, so I'm actually, oh. right after this, I'm going to go run down to some property. She's going to meet me down there, and I'm going to chainsaw some trees for her. That's that's wow. um, that's her birthday present. What a good so, son. I'm decked out in my, my chainsaw work because I got my Wrangler button-up shirt on mm. and my... my uh, Are you wearing chaps? I will wear chaps. Okay, good. Yeah, I will. They will. I'm gonna wear some safety chaps. Okay, that's good. Yeah, yeah. That's the only time Stacy gets to see me in chaps. But well, uh, that's a that's a man. What a good son. That's a great birthday present for your yeah, mom. That's how we tell each other we love you in my family is by chainsawing things. Yeah, that's a good love language. I think that's one of the one of the five I read about in the Gary Chapman book. Yeah, yeah, chainsaws. Mm. That's good. Your mom's name is Barbara. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, she's a sweet lady. She is. Yeah. yeah. What about you? Anything new in the life of the Brooker family? <sighs> well, I am getting ready to head to Uganda next week, flying out next Friday. So uh, school starts for us uh, Monday for Aiden. He's mm. starting kindergarten this year, so he did pre-K last year, going into kindergarten. So he's getting jazzed up about that. And, uh, yeah, I'm headed out of the country and pray for my wife. If you're <laughs> listening to this podcast and you're thinking, Hey, I wonder if I could pray for these guys. You can pray for us. We love and need your prayers. Uh, but you could really just pray for my wife cause it's going to be, um, you know, three kids while I'm out of the country for 10 days. It's going to be a lot on her. So yeah, that's going to be tough for the starting school and everything. So yeah. Well, cool. I'm, I'm sure Tara is over there eagerly awaiting you guys and looking forward to your visit yeah it was cool i actually did a zoom call with her and um and one of the guys i don't know if you met thomas were you over there um he's he lives across the street from uh, them and does stuff with mm-hmm. them, another church and and so uh, i did a training with them on um something called veritas college it's a um, training module to learn how to exegete scripture and so getting those guys certified so that they can teach that module with other pastors. And then I'm uh, 
starting a module while I'm over there. So I'm doing some work teaching and training pastors and probably doing some uh, evangelism, and going to some islands in Lake Victoria and doing some work there and doing work with the street kids in Jinja. And yeah, it's good. Mm-hmm. Not looking forward to the flight mm-hmm. though. That's always mm-hmm. the worst part, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it's particularly difficult traveling internationally with this time of COVID and stuff that we're in. Yes. You got to get tested on either side and all that. And it's, yeah, especially in Uganda, it's fun uh, tracking down the results of your test and making sure <laughs> they get there before the flight. You know, I, I, I went to get tested when I was leaving Uganda and I was like, I got tested and I said to the person, um, when could I expect these results? And then she goes, when is your flight leaving? And I said, uh, tomorrow at 11 p.m which I should not have said that, you know, but she goes, <laughs> she's okay. like 10 30. Yeah. She goes, she goes, okay, check back with us tomorrow at 10 45 PM. I'm like, no, 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 no. You're, there's no way you're going to be sitting here processing results at 10 45 PM. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, yeah. yeah, come on, let's just be honest. But, uh, it was kind of funny. So anyways, yeah. um, yeah, that, that sounds, uh, sounds amazing. And uh, you know, one thing I really miss about being in Uganda is the food. Really? Um, yeah. Yeah. I love Uganda. Okay. Food. Real talk. I've been going to Uganda for six years. Mm-hmm. Worst food I've ever had. Really? Yeah. I, I okay. So if you're Ugandan, listen to this. I'm sorry. I love you so much. Mm-hmm. But I just I don't care for the food. It just doesn't. To me, it's not created to be flavorful and savory. It's it's very bland, at least. Yeah. That's. I mean, that's just my palate. I don't know. Yeah, I can see that. There's not. I I, I like spicy stuff, and there isn't yeah. a lot of spicy stuff. But no, there's not. I like. I like. Do you like? What do you like? What's one dish you like that you can't get anywhere else but Uganda? Uh, I like Rolexes. I like yeah. the, the, oh, yeah. the fried whole tilapias. Um, yeah, those are pretty good. Yeah, uh, I mean, chapati. Do you like chapati? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, the which these are more Indian food, but the samosas they have there mm-hmm. are mm-hmm. really good. So it's all yeah. to me. It's very heavenly. I should say. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Look at that transition. Yeah, I, I had a transition that I was going to weave in. But then we were talking before we got on about how the the rights to this song might not be mm. something that we had. But uh, I was thinking about bringing in our friend Scott Stapp to to Wait, sing Scott Stapp from the band Creed. Yeah, yeah, I, he's actually right here. Oh, here you it's me, Scott Stapp. <laughs> oh, can you take me higher? Now, okay, Scott, that's enough. Because, because, uh, yeah, that song and and Creed are my source text for description of heaven, <laughs> and everything I know about heaven came from, from me listening song. to yeah. that song yeah. on the way yeah. to eleventh yeah. grade. My, yeah, oh yeah, in two thousand. Yeah. Do you know the best part of that song is when he's like, "Although I would like a world of change, it helps me to." And it's almost like as he's saying, "It helps me to." He doesn't know what he's going to say next. And then he kind of pauses mm-hmm. and he's like, it helps me to um, uh, <laughs> appreciate all those nights and those dreams. I could keep going. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Maybe okay. So a, just real should, talk. Okay. Go. We should put a poll on Facebook. Though, that, <laughs> who wants to hear Josh? <laughs> who wants to hear Josh do Creed impersonations every <laughs> podcast episode? <laughs> Um, I was the only kid in my high school that hated Creed. I remember walking around. It was at a music camp at uh, Pensacola Christian College. And I was walking down the street with some people and they were singing that song. Nice. Like, oh man, I hire such a cool song. And of course, because it was Pensacola Christian College, we weren't allowed to listen to it because it was Christian. It was rock. So you yeah, couldn't listen yeah. to rock music. But anyway, 
they were singing it and they were like, man, I can't wait to get back to our CD players so we can see. And I looked over and I was like, Creed is terrible. And they were like, what? <laughs> you don't like Creed? What planet are you from? And I remember marking that in my mind and saying, someday the world will know that Creed is terrible. Yeah. And now the world knows. I digress. Do you think do you think we could do a comparative analysis between Creed and Nickelback? <laughs> and which one's better, which one's which one's more ha- I, hated by Yeah, America? I feel like Nickelback simply took the worst parts of Creed and made them worse. Hmm. Yeah. But here's here's a comparison that's not fair. You cannot compare Pearl Jam to Creed or Nickelback. Pearl Jam actually created good music. Hmm. I, I did a pretty good Pearl Jam impersonation too. That's for another podcast. Yeah. Yeah. You just put like a, a sock in your mouth and try to sing. I think we have a Callahan's, uh, you know, our, our old college band. I think yes. we're going to do something with that, right? Am I allowed to we talk about that? We are. Uh, we'll just kind of drop a hint because we're not quite okay. sure exactly what it is. But, but okay. if you're a regular listener, maybe you can look forward to hearing more stuff about the Callahan's coming out soon. So, mm, okay. Yeah. So Gabe, can you take me higher to a place where blind men see? Mm. No, I cannot. <laughs> sounds, <laughs> sounds really suspicious. So <clears throat> when you think about heaven, you think about that song higher by Creed, mm-hmm. but what do you think most people think about when you say the word heaven? Hmm. Well, I see, I see like the stickers on the back of people's pickup trucks here in Alabama with like, the name and the the date that person lived and then like little angels on either side of them. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, I think, I think most Americans think of heaven as this like uh, cloudy, airy existence. Yeah. um, Where it's like a, it's like a giant family reunion in the sky. Yeah. With like Steve Irwin and Harambe and all those people coming up Mm -hmm. and giving you a hug. Abraham Lincoln. Yeah. 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 Do you think that some people think you become an angel when you go to heaven? Yeah. Yeah. I think people believe that you get wings. I mean, mm-hmm. this is like, I would say like Walmart theology, like you just like your average person that you pull in a Walmart, they're going to be like, yeah, yeah. You know, so-and-so has got their wings, you know? And right. Um, yeah. There's a lot of misconceptions about heaven. Um, so do you think most people, even if they're not people of faith, believe that when you die, that's where you go? Hmm, that's a good question. You saying in the United States of America? Or yeah, that, maybe. Uh, I mean, I don't know. Like I know in, in a lot of some of our listeners may be listening from Canada or the UK or Australia or other parts of Europe. And it's decidedly more post-Christian in those places. But yeah, um, I, I would say definitely in the Bible Belt, like where I am and, mm-hmm. and you are as well in the Bible Belt, we're so saturated by Christian culture and Judeo-Christian uh, worldview that, yeah, I would say most in the Bible Belt definitely believe that if you're a good person, when you die, you go to heaven. Um, right. Whereas I think if you go to some of the more like post-Christian parts of like, if, if you go and, and poll the same number of people in Los Angeles or, you know, New York city or, or Boston, you know, you're going to come up with some different, different ratios. I don't know what those percentages would be, but yeah, they're, they're just depends on the region of the United States of America. Right. So yeah, it kind of seems like we become soft universalist here in the South when people die. And that's just interesting to me. Hmm. But why why does it matter that we have a biblical understanding of heaven? Why is that important? 
I think it's important. Well, maybe it, maybe our understanding of heaven, do you think it affects how we live in this life? I think so. Like, like the not only the description of it, but also who goes there. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that affects because I mean there is a there is a standard of behavior that we're held to according to scripture, and I mean according to scripture, not everyone goes to heaven. So we, right. I think we have to figure out and kind of work out the nitty gritty of like what is heaven, who goes there, and that sort of thing. So so it mm-hmm. informs and influences how we live. Absolutely. So let's just even talk about that word. So when the Bible mentions heaven or when we as Christians say heaven, what do we mean by that? Because a lot of times when the Bible talks about heaven, it talks about basically the space above the earth. So in the book of Genesis, it says in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Um, you know, it really, if you research that word throughout the Bible and cross-reference it, it's, it's the space above where we're living now. But then the Bible talks about the kingdom of heaven and and things like that. And so you're like, okay, so what is he talking about? The the kingdom of the space above where we live now. And so if you really kind of distill it down to its simplest definition, when the Bible speaks of heaven, it's simply the place where God is. Hmm. And it doesn't really give us a geographical geographical location. It seems like um, this is more of a metaphysical place. Mm Mm-hmm. That where God is, it doesn't necessarily have to be this geographical location. Like, you know, hey, we traveled to the far regions of the galaxy and we found heaven. No, it seems like it's kind of in another dimension, maybe. Um, But Jesus actually spent more time speaking of the hope of heaven than the fear of hell. So last episode, we talked about hell and we said that Jesus talked a lot about hell. He did. He mentioned hell 14 times. Uh, that's in the New Testament, but heaven is mentioned in context about 275 times. Wow. Which I just think that's amazing. Yeah. Especially if you came from backgrounds like I did, where it seems like hell was talked about way more than heaven. And the details of hell were fleshed out, even though that's not really in the scriptures. And heaven was kind of uh, the white robe, the harp sitting on a cloud, this never ending church service. And as a kid, I used to be terrified because I'm like, man, I, <laughs> I don't want to go be bored for all of eternity. That sounds terrible. Yeah. Yeah. So is that going to be heaven? Is heaven going to be a place where we sit around like Tom and Jerry with angel wings and halos and play harps on a cloud and white robes? Mm. No, that is that is uh, not the description the Bible gives of of this place called Shemaim, the heavens. Hmm. Ah, you actually had the Hebrew word pulled up, huh? Yeah, yeah. Is that is that true though that it's that word? What, what is the word again? Shemaim. Shemaim. It's, it's described in you know Genesis one. Kind of sounds like a Michael Jackson phrase that he would Shemaim. Say. Yeah. Shemaim. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a it's a it's a combination of two different words. Sham mm-hmm. is like the place, and then Maim is water. So it's it could be literally translated as the place of the waters. That's why. Genesis in the creation account says he separated the waters from above and the waters below. So the Shemaim, the heavens, became the place of the sky waters, you could say, in a very literal way. Now, that developed over time, and the sky waters obviously became, and we realize, are this, like you said, a metaphysical place of the afterlife. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, so this metaphysical place of the afterlife, the Bible describes it as a place of reward, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, Daniel 12.2 said, Multitudes who sleep in the dust will awake, some to everlasting life, others to shame and everlasting contempt. Those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the heavens, and those who lead many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. So we see it as a place of reward. We see it as a place of fellowship and eternal joy where uh, they worship around the throne of God. We get that picture in the book of Revelation. Um, Revelation 21 says it's a place where God will wipe all tears from their eyes. There will be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, nor shall there be any more pain for the former things are passed away. So get this picture of like no sin, no tears, no death, no sorrow, no pain, no more night. Like all the things that are sad are becoming untrue. That's what J.R. Tolkien pictured it in uh, the last Lord of the Rings book. Kind of this picture of everything sad and broken and messed up in this life now. We'll find that when we get to this place where God dwells, those things are not there. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's an amazing, I, it's hard to even wrap my mind around can you imagine a place with no, like, conflict or no boredom or no, you know what I'm saying? Like, there's there's none of that. Like, you don't have to be careful about leaving your car unlocked or anything. I mean, just, it's hard for us, I think, in our finite minds to wrap our minds around an existence like that. Yeah. Yeah, and, and not to mention, like, evil is exposed for what it is and evil is mm-hmm. is is banished, you know, and it's... Yeah, that's what this world needs for sure. Yeah. So it's interesting, too, to point out that the Bible makes a distinction between heaven now. So where someone that goes to be with the Lord now goes. Jesus said to the criminal on the cross, today you will be with me in paradise. Which is a difference between what we read about in the book of Revelation. We'll flesh that out here in a minute. Jesus tells the story of Lazarus and the rich man in Luke 16. And when he died, Jesus said he went to Abraham's bosom, which is an interesting phrase. And then we get to the book of Revelation and we see that um, there's going to be something called the millennial kingdom. And some people think that that's a literal thousand year reign. And then we see in Revelation 21, 22, God creating a new heaven and a new earth and a new Jerusalem. And and that being what most theologians call the eternal state. That's where uh, believers in Jesus and followers of Jesus will be for all eternity in the new heaven, the new earth, the new Jerusalem. And we will be there according to the scriptures in a perfectly resurrected body, but the resurrection will not happen until Jesus returns. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah, and that's it's Revelation twenty, really like nineteen through twenty one. Mm-hmm. actually, yeah, it actually describes uh, like two different resurrections. It does um, one at the beginning of the what we call millennial kingdom, and the one at the end of it, which is kind of interesting. People don't r- realize there's actually two different resurrections. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and some um, this is probably a whole another podcast episode, but some people believe that the descriptions of the millennial kingdom in Revelation twenty are figurative. Mm-hmm. And so when the Bible says a, a thousand year reign, some people, they're called amillennialists. 
mm -hmm. believe that that is a uh, figurative depiction of the church and the age of the church. Mm -hmm. um, I would disagree with that. And Gabe, I would imagine you probably would too. Yeah, yeah. I'm not a, a millennialist. I'm not either. I would consider myself a historic premillennialist, that it will be a literal 1,000-year reign. And so there's a lot of differences in opinion as to the millennial kingdom and what the Bible is actually talking about with that. But but I think what most Christians, I'd say not most, probably all Christians, if you believe in what the Bible teaches about the afterlife, believe in this idea that the eternal state will be a completely restored physical um, world, a completely restored physical Jerusalem, a completely restored physical uh, heavens, and it will be inhabited by completely restored um, saints in physical, perfect, resurrected bodies. So we're not going to be, mm -hmm. you know, floating around like ghosts or angels or anything like that. We're going to have actually have real bodies. Yeah. I think, I think kind of what we're talking about today for clarification for those who are listening is like where believers go when mm -hmm. they die. Like what is that place and yeah. what, it, what does the Bible say about that existence? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, and that's a good question that a lot of people ask too is, okay, so the Bible talks about the new heavens, the new earth, the new Jerusalem, mm -hmm. but that's when Jesus returns. Okay. Jesus hasn't come back yet what happens when my loved one passes away and they're a believer? Where where are they now? Yeah. And so I think that's where people, you know, struggle with trying to understand what the scriptures are saying. So, well, And most people I've encountered that have asked me that question are doing so for the purpose of finding comfort in yeah. the loss of their loved one. Yeah. And not, not like just as objective, like, hey, I'm doing a study on heaven, like what happens when we die. You know, that's few and far between. But most mm -hmm. people just want comfort and they want to know what does the Bible say about my loved one? Where are they? You know? Yeah. And, th and that's a, um, that's a very real need. I think we mm -hmm. have as human beings of like, we were never intended to die. Death mm -hmm. is so weird and it hurts so bad because it, we were never created for it. Yeah. And so when someone does die, there's something in us that goes, but that can't be the end. And so I think that when we like look at the truth of what the scripture says, it brings great comfort and it brings great hope because we're like, wow, it's not the end. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So let's get to that question. Where do believers in Jesus go when they die? We have two verses that are really significant verses. Second Corinthians five, eight, Paul says to be absent from the body. So when someone dies, they leave their body, their body just, my wife is a hospice nurse, so she has seen this many times. Mm -hmm. They're absent from the body and they are present with the Lord. So to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So we'll kind of flesh that out. And then in Luke 23, there is a thief or a criminal, we're not sure exactly, I think the Bible says he's a thief, but. He's getting crucified next to Jesus, and he trusts in Jesus as his Savior and Jesus as King. And Jesus says, today you will be with me in paradise. So it seems like what the scripture is saying is that when a believer dies and their faith has been put in Jesus, they leave their body and they are with the Lord. 
they're in the presence of God. They're in paradise. They're in this place of blessing. They're in this place of reward. Um, the book of Revelation talks about, and this is before the, the eternal state, the book of Revelation talks about this intermediate state as a place of rest. And um, it kind of seems like what the scripture is saying is it's a, it's a place where we, we lose our body temporarily and we go home to be with the Lord. Our bodies are in the grave waiting for the resurrection and our souls are with Jesus. And it seems like it's a conscious state that they're with Jesus. And, and there's an interesting verse. Um, is this making sense so far, Gabe? Yeah. And I think it's important to, to point out, like, the Bible seems to describe that this is a conscious state because there are some groups that teach something called soul sleep. Have you heard of soul sleep? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I can see in places where there there seems to be allusions to, to people sleeping, like when Samuel is conjured up, for instance, and he's like, why have you wakened me from my sleep? Um, mm. You know, there's like, I can see, like, I, I believe the Seventh-day Adventist um, is big on, uh, like, the, the idea of soul sleep, that there is no consciousness once a person dies, that, that their soul is, like, basically powered off. It's in sleep mode. And then at the resurrection, it will, the power button will be hit again. It's like like on standby, yeah. you know. Like all those sci-fi movies where people go into the hibernation states while they're in the, you know, <laughs> Starfleet going to the, you yeah. know, far-off galaxy. Yeah, I'm trying. I'm looking for it. And I can't find it, but um, basically, there is a description in the Book of Revelation of the saints who have been martyred before the throne of the Lamb, and they're conscious of what's happening down on the earth, and and basically pleading with the Lord to avenge them in their deaths. But yeah. they're with the Lord, like they're conscious. They're able to witness what's happening down on the earth. And they're able to make intercession for what's happening on the earth while they're there in the presence of God. And that's a pretty significant verse. Mm. Like, what do you do with that if you believe in this idea that someone's dead and they just kind of power off and wait for the resurrection? I mean, I, I don't think you really know as much what to do with that. Um, and then there's also that picture in the book of Hebrews of the great cloud of witnesses, that the writer of Hebrews talks about all the heroes of the faith and almost talks about them as being kind of like a, a grandstand of saints that went before us. That's like cheering us on in our race right now. And it says that we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, like that they're, it almost seems to suggest that they're able to see us as we run our race. Um, hmm. I don't think it's saying that we pray to them or we speak to them, but I think it is saying that they are conscious that makes sense. Yeah, 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 and that's a subject of a very heated debate. You know, even within historic Christianity, that people, you know, because because you know we don't have the ability to die and then come back and give a full like lengthy dissertation on what we experienced. We have to rely yeah. on the Bible's description of of what happens. You know, there are stories about people dying and then coming back and things, but um, some of them have been proven to be erroneous or made up or, you know, so it's, it's hard to really rely on one person's account based on that. But yeah, it's, it's, we have to, we have to come to terms with, and it's okay to like really struggle through this and wrestle through this. Mm -hmm. And I, I will say, like, I said this, I think when we're talking about hell, 
um, the Bible is not obsessed with giving us a description. It's not obsessed with the afterlife, what happens to a person when we die. It does mention what happens to a person when we die, but the Bible is so much more obsessed with how we live in the here and now mm-hmm. and be obedient and, and, and share the gospel um, that we can get so hung up in the weeds over what happens to us when we die and we can split hairs and we can divide with other Christians on this. But, but really um, that's, that's not, that's not what the Bible is calling us to do. Yeah. Well, and, and I think you're, I think you're right in terms of like, we don't get a ton of details about the intermediate state, right? Mm-hmm. So when we die as believers, we are told from scripture in a very reassuring way, we will be with the Lord. Mm-hmm. And that is a, that is the best place ever because we're in the presence of God. Yeah. And it's paradise. It's a place of rest. It's a place of like blessing. It's all, all of these things. But then the Bible doesn't really tell us exactly what that looks like yet. Mm-hmm. But it does talk about the new heavens, the new earth, and the new Jerusalem in length and detail. It actually gives us dimensions of the city and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So we do have hope for that. And we actually have a lot of details about that. Mm-hmm. But in terms of immediate, like, yeah where we go now. I mean, we, we honestly, we've got some hints in the scripture. We know it's with the Lord, but we're not really sure exactly the details of what it looks like while we wait the, the kingdom. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Yeah. Uh, the big question I think a lot of people have is, okay, so the resurrection happens when Jesus comes back and saints that have died are absent from the body. So what form do they occupy? <laughs> <laughs> and so a lot of, Theologians have speculated and they've come up with several options. The first option that some of them have said is, well, they're they're disembodied spirit. They're like angels. They don't have any physical form. They are with the Lord without a physical form in kind of a disembodied spirit, and they will receive a glorified body at the resurrection. So that's an interesting thought. Hmm. Not really sure the scriptures tell us one way or the other. Uh, option two, theologians have said there's a temporary body, so they're given a temporary body while they wait for their glorified body. Again, Scripture doesn't really say, so okay. And then the third option is they already received their glorified body. There's no waiting for the general resurrection of the dead. Everybody gets their glorified body immediately after they die. and then. So I'm not really sure. I don't think it matters as much. All I know is I'm, I'm getting a, a glorified body someday, so I'm going to have an eight-pack and mm. huge traps. Mm. <laughs> and uh, I'm going to have more of a gluteus maximus so my genes don't sag as much as they do now. So mm-hmm. that's what I'm going to ask the Lord for. <laughs> hey, can I get a little more junk in the trunk, please? My genes keep falling down. So uh, in this intermediate state, there's a separation of believers and unbelievers. So, again, we talked about Luke 16 last episode that uh, – we know that paradise and hell are separated by a fixed gap. So you can't move between them. Mm-hmm. And they're described like temporary holding places that believers and unbelievers are in until Jesus returns to issue final judgment. And there's a new heaven and a new earth and a new Jerusalem for believers. And then there's the lake of fire and the second death for unbelievers. And then we get this picture that when Jesus returns, First Thessalonians 4, 6 says, The Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and he will sound the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ 
will rise first. So every person that is dead gets their glorified, resurrected body before all the people that are alive when Jesus returns. Does that make sense? Yeah. Which, you know, was a revelation to a couple of people I'm friends with recently that that's why most cemeteries in at least definitely the Bible Belt of the United States of America face towards Jerusalem, towards the Mount of Olives to be specific. I had no idea. Really? Yeah, that's yeah, crazy. Yeah. Drive drive by any cemetery, especially if it's associated with a church. Um, all the graves are facing east. Well, you wow. know, towards towards the city of Jerusalem. Huh. Yeah. I've heard it's, some people. Go well, ahead. It, it's 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 an anticipation of the return of, of Christ and the resurrection of the dead. Wow. Yeah, but I've what, heard. Some, you keep interrupting me. Every no, time I, 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 I was, was going to say, what what are you what are you going to say? <laughs> what are you doing here? <laughs> Um, I've heard some believers say that they think that cremation is not what we are supposed to do as believers because, um, how is Jesus going to resurrect our body if it's in ashes everywhere? Yeah. Yeah. I've heard, I've heard that concern. And, and to that, sometimes I say, well, uh, how did God create Adam? From the dust of the ground. Yeah. Yeah. If you're putting limitations <laughs> on god's ability to recreate a human then then Mm -hmm. i mean you got to go back to page one of the bible and you've got some complications there yeah and i think you know cremation and versus burial that's a personal decision i don't think the bible Mm -hmm. tells us one way or the other but i think i I have met some believers that have a conviction against cremation for that reason because they feel like it honors the resurrection to say no the body's in the ground awaiting for that resurrection so yeah yeah but I, i would say anyone who says if you're listening to this and you're this person, please stop it. Don't go up to people and say, "Oh, he was cremated. He's not going to be in the resurrection." Yeah, like, don't, no, don't even no, don't no, even no. allude like indirectly allude to no. that to someone because number one, it's false, and, yep. and number two, that's a real jerk move. Just don't do that, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, to be honest, we don't really know the details of the intermediate state. We're told we're present with the Lord. We're told it's paradise. We're told it's Abraham's bosom. We're told it's a place of rest. It's a place of reward. And it's temporary because we're waiting with the saints of earth for Jesus to be coronated as king in the new Jerusalem and for the resurrection where we're given glorified bodies and we live and reign forever with Jesus. So then the question is asked, okay, so what is that place going to look like? The eternal state. So there's the intermediate state. We don't have ton of details about the intermediate state we just know it's with the lord it's awesome it's great it's better than down here but then there's the eternal state and what we see about the eternal state is not that we go up to heaven but that literally the earth gets recreated and transformed and the city of jerusalem gets restored and rebuilt and it gives us all these dimensions in the book of revelation of the gates and the beautiful city and all the, I mean, just amazing dimensions. And then the entire universe is, is remade and transformed. And then we see that the book of first Corinthians fifteen forty two tells us that we inhabit this space, a completely perfect earth, a completely perfect city, a completely perfect universe forever with resurrected glorified bodies that have been specially designed for eternal existence. 
do you think that do you think that some people don't have that in their minds when they think about heaven yeah like growing up i thought heaven was the end game like that was the goal of my existence and that i was just going to spend out live out eternity in this cloudy airy existence which was you know like it sounded great like the descriptions i heard about heaven were wonderful but my expectation has been a little bit more realigned with reading the Bible and realizing that heaven might be more of a holding pattern, like a wonderful mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in the presence of God holding pattern. Mm-hmm. But the goal is like the restoration of all things. Right. And that involves getting us back to God's original intent of creating us on earth to experience the joys and the pleasures of earth, but with his presence being there. Yeah. And so this whole this whole cycle bringing us back to the beginning of like being back in this Edenic state where God will once again dwell with man. And that we say that in the Lord's prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Mm -hmm. So we want the eclipse basically of we're expecting and anticipating the eclipse of heaven and earth. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that's a really important thing to keep in mind. What is going to make heaven heaven the eternal state so beautiful is that revelation 21 three says God will dwell with us and we will dwell with him. So going back to this concept of common grace that we mentioned last episode, everything that we experience here on earth that is good and beautiful and true is because the grace of God and the presence of God is in that in some form. So if you can imagine the veil is lifted the curse is done away with, the corruption is destroyed, and perfection is there, the goodness and the beauty and the perfection and the happiness and the joy that we will experience in the eternal state is not in fits and starts and bits and pieces like it is down here, but it's unending. It's complete. There's no, there's there's just nothing that would ever interrupt it ever. Hmm. And that's hard, I think, for our finite minds to wrap our brains around because we've never known anything different <laughs> mm-hmm. than down here. Um, but our experiences up there, or, or not up there, really here, but you know, a remade here, will be so much different because there'll be no more death, there'll be no more mourning, no more crying, no more pain. The curse of sin will be erased the bad memories that we've had will the sting of that will be removed. No more distress, no more abuse, no more boredom. Cause I, I think what's so interesting is like, was a kid, I would think about heaven. I'd be like, man, I'm going to get bored. And then when I start thinking about, well, what causes boredom now? Well, because things seem futile, seem, seem pointless. Like, what am I doing? I'm just sitting around. There's well, futility is going to be completely done away with. And sin's going to be done away with. So there is no more boredom. You don't get bored in heaven. <laughs> uh, and we will serve and worship God. That's what Revelation 22, 3 says. But as we serve and we worship, that that's going to be our work. So we are going to have jobs in heaven and work to do in heaven. But it's not going to be like the work we do now, because the work we do now in Genesis 3 says is under the curse of sin. Hmm. Because of sin... God pronounced a curse upon the man and said, by the sweat of your brow, you will produce thorns and thistles. But that 
curse of sin is going to be done away with. So our work is going to be enjoyable. It's going to be rewarding, refreshing. It's going to be perfectly suited for who we're created to be. Uh, Randy Alcorn in his book, Heaven, said, we will have work to do. It will be satisfying, enriching work that we can't wait to get back to, work that will never be a drudgery. Hmm. Yeah, that's, that's an interesting description. Yeah. Trying to wrap my brain around exactly what that's going to be. But I would imagine, like, we'll probably be cultivating, like in the Garden of Eden. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Adam and Eve were called to be cultivators and managers and stewards of the garden. We'll probably be asked mm-hmm. to do that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It could be like on a literal level, like a physical level. We are, we are taking care of the earth and having dominion over the earth. And mm-hmm. that part of that is like growing food or, or gardening, like you said. Um, Without that, weeds. Yeah. Yeah. Or pests. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. And it's all going to be organic food too. Hmm. Like, like Trader Joe's organic. <laughs> it's going to be Trader Joe's yeah. without the Hawaiian shirts. Cause we know that's from the curse of sin. So, mm. <laughs> uh, questions. All right. Why don't I ask you questions and then you read what's in our show notes as a response okay. and you flush them out. All, all right. right. I'll just, yeah, I'll read all the work and research that you, uh, you did. And I'll take credit. <laughs> no, you, you actually <laughs> thought through these as well and we'll talk through these. So, okay. All right. Okay. So here's the question. All right. Will we see God face to face? Because a lot of people say, okay, what does God look like? I don't know. Could we ever see him face to face? Exodus 33, 20 says no man can see God and live. So what's that like? Will we see him face to face? What do you say to that, Gabe? Uh, I would quote to you from Revelation 22, verses 3 through 4, that the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. They shall see his face. Mm. So there's my answer. Yeah, so I think I think the answer is uh, in our sinful, unregenerated state. Yeah, no man can see him and live because he is perfect and holy but in our sinless and glorified bodies, we'll be able to, um, just like in the Garden of Eden, see his face and dwell with him. Wow. So here's the question. This is in our show notes. When we mm-hmm. look at God, are we going to see God the Father, God the Holy Spirit, God the Son, or will we just see Jesus? Mm. What do you think? Oh, man. If you don't answer this correctly, you're a heretic. Yeah. No, I'm just mm. kidding. I have an answer for that, but I want to hear What's your answer? answer? I don't know. I don't well, know. Well, I want to hear yours. What do you think? I don't know. Maybe it's going to be like some, the shack. Some... You see, you see, <laughs> you see all three hanging out. Some kind of combination of all three. I don't, I don't know that maybe, I don't know. Are they different? Yeah. One God, three persons. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. What's your answer? No, wouldn't you like to know? No, just kidding. Mm. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I'm going to turn to the book of Colossians. Do, 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 do. Colossians 1.15. It's talking about Jesus. He is the image of the invisible God. Mm. So I believe, personally, and I could be wrong, uh, but when we get to heaven, you'll see that I'm right. But I'm going to submit this to you <laughs> in all humility. Uh, that when we get to heaven and we see God face to face, we will see the image of the invisible God in the person of Jesus. And so Jesus will be for us 
um, the embodiment of God, the father, God, the Holy spirit, and obviously God, the son. And I don't think we're going to see three gods. I think that's tritheism. I think we'll see one God and three persons perfectly in the image of the invisible God. And that is Jesus because he is preeminent above all things. Um, Mm -hmm. And then, you know, Colossians 119 says for in him, the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. Hmm. So the fullness of God is going to dwell or already does dwell when Jesus. Yeah. That's a huge mystery. And maybe we can do an episode on the Trinity, but yeah, the fullness of God is pleased to dwell. So I believe we're going to see Jesus and we're going to be with Jesus, but we're also going to be in aware and in relationship with God, the father, God, the son and the Holy spirit through the person of Jesus. So interesting. Yeah. I was just, I was researching this verse The the Greek word there is icon. He's the, mm. he's the icon of God. Yeah. And it's like, he's this, I mean, like, yeah, this, this in the image, the likeness, it's, it's the essence of an icon, you know? Yeah. It's iconically something, you know? Sure. Sure. Okay. Uh, will we still be ourselves and have our human bodies? Like, will, will you look like you and will I look like me? Mm. And, uh, what, age will we be how old will we be when we get to heaven am i gonna know you like i knew you when you were 19 mm, there's a lot of questions coming in quick here yeah um, i'm coming in hot well uh let me go to what, what 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 will we have human bodies um the answer is yes um we will be ourselves yes um that we will be have a, a transformed body just like christ's resurrected body Mm. Um, and then let's go to Philippians three twenty one. we have here. He will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body. So, mm. um, so yeah, we'll be, I think we'll be recognizable. Um, right. but then, then, yeah, I, I've, I've heard this before we have in the show notes that Thomas Aquinas made the argument that we will be around the age 33 years old because Jesus died at 33. Um, but other than that, we have to speculate and that's, that's the Bible doesn't say what age yeah. we will come. But so like, you know, when, when someone is 84 and they pass and then the resurrected, will they be 84 again with all of, you know, the wrinkles and, and all of this, like, or will they be their 33 year old self? I don't know the answer. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, interesting to speculate. Probably at the peak of physical vitality. So whatever yeah. age you were, Whatever your peak was, <laughs> yeah. for me it was twenty five. <laughs> I like to think I still haven't peaked. I mean, I, <laughs> I am over the mountain and going down fast. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, that's an interesting one. Um, Bible doesn't have, really have say, you but, totally tangent here, but have you done yeah. that whole like? Um, I realize I'm getting close to forty, and mm-hmm. I need to like swim really hard upstream and get in really good shape. So when I hit forty, I'm like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm like in good shape. Like, have you done yes. that? Like, oh crap, I'm I'm like getting old and slow. Yes, and, yes, 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 yes. Yeah. I do, and and I I drive my wife crazy because like I'm I'm getting back into running and exercising and intermittent mm-hmm. fasting and all that stuff, mm-hmm. and I'm like trying to push myself to run at the age I am as I was hurt working out like ten years ago, mm-hmm. and I keep hurting myself. Because my body now is not the same as it was ten years ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, like I, I, like last year, I was running really hard, and I hit. Used to time myself, and I hit my two mile run time that I did as a junior in college or a senior in college. You were and fast in college. I remember running with you in college. You were fast, especially after well, you I came just, out of boot camp. I just, yeah, I just did it nonstop, you know. And I was just, but and I was just skinny as all get out, so I could just run, but. About a year ago, I hit that time and 
I like literally, I thought I was dying. <laughs> and I remember, I remember standing as, as at the end of this boardwalk and this, like people were like riding bikes by me and stuff. And I was just like sitting on my butt, like trying to catch. I was like, okay, it's downhill from here. Like, I'm never going to do that again. That was not okay. Yeah, no, I, uh, I, I sometimes will run after I get done here at the church office. We've got like a four lane highway out here with a big shoulder and, um, it's the summertime here in the States and it's very, very hot. And the, it's been really hot last week. It feels really good this week, but, um, yeah, two weeks ago, I was like, man, I got, I'm going to knock out a four mile run and it's all Hills and it's like four in the afternoon. So the heat index is like 95, 94 degrees or whatever. So I get out there and I'm doing Hills four miles of four miles of hills in 94 degree weather mm, no 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 i know what was i thinking i don't understand i was just like yeah i'm gonna do it yeah, yeah. you know turn on the rocky four soundtrack and i'm out there you know and uh i'm coming back and i'm like seeing stars as i like get back to my truck and i'm like something's wrong with my body <laughs> like what mm. is wrong and then i have a run and watch that tells me like my aerobic zone you know like you get yeah. zone one through five um most of it was in like the the red zone. Yeah. Yeah. Like it was like a 40 minute run and most of like 37 minutes of it was in like the super intense aerobic zone. Mm. So I called one of our elders, who's a, a personal trainer and I called him. I was like, Fred, dude, is that, am I going to die? Mm. <laughs> He's like, wow, you probably shouldn't have done that. And I was like, yeah. Is that yeah. about the time that you sent me a text about something embarrassing? that happened? No, 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 no. We're not going to talk about that. Okay. You don't want to talk, talk about that? Nope. All right. All right, it's we'll, just, we'll, uh, we'll move on. Okay. Well, yeah. <laughs> I feel like when I get out and run, it's like I'm a 1992 Toyota Corolla that has been sitting <laughs> in my driveway for three years. And I started up <laughs> and I like immediately get up on the interstate and this Corolla <laughs> is just like, what is happening? You know, my body and my body and like my organs are just like revolting. Yeah. 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 And all sorts of noises come out of it and you're like, oh, yeah, maybe that's all not good. Sorts of noises and fluids. Yes, we're going to keep moving on because you keep trying to get me to share that story and I won't. Well, let me let me quote to you, Randy Alcorn. Randy's, okay. getting, Randy's getting a lot of shout outs today. He is. Good job, is, Randy. Yes. Uh, he says, maybe you will be able to be there with your child as he or she grows up on the new earth without a threat of death, harm, or abuse. Hmm. And that's in response to children who died, what age mm-hmm. they will be yeah. on the new earth. Yeah, that's interesting because Isaiah 11 and 65 um, place children on the new earth. A little child shall lead them. And so it's the idea of like, okay, if a child died, are they going to be resurrected at 33? So I'm going to miss them at nine or 10. I'm going to miss them growing up. Yeah. So maybe not. Maybe, Maybe they'll be resurrected in such a way that we'll get to be with them as they grow up on the. And that's when I read that, I, I was. I don't know. That was, that was really uh, comforting. Jenny and I had, uh, we've experienced um, two miscarriages mm. and uh, you know, there's always that thought and everybody processes that differently, but there was always that thought of just, you know, what, what would those kids have been like, you mm. know, if they had been born, if we had been able to welcome them in the world. And um, this gives a lot of hope to think that I'm going to see those children there in the resurrection. Yeah. Yeah. It's a beautiful that's, picture. That's kind of cool. And I'm, I'm looking forward to meeting him because I never get to meet him here on this earth. So that's cool. I just hope that the Lord skips the diaper stages of that. So mm-hmm. the terrible twos and <laughs> just start them off at five and then we get. Yeah. yeah. So what will we spend our time doing? Well, 
we're going to be worshiping. Mm-hmm. We're going to be serving and enjoying. Awesome. Um, we won't be under the curse of sin any longer. So everything we'll be doing will be worship in heaven. Uh, we will never be motivated by anything other than our love for God. And everything we will do will be out of our love for God, untainted by our sin nature. Amen. Um, we're going to be awesome. learning about the nature of God. We're going to be learning about his will and his goodness and his holiness and his perfection. Mm. Um, we'll be there with friends and spiritual family to enjoy and learn about. And we'll have a new earth uh, that is like the old earth, completely remade and transformed to be able to explore, to cultivate and enjoy. And I'm really looking forward to that because I love yeah. the outdoors. You know, I love like oh, me too. hiking and camping and kayaking. So as long as he puts some like class threes and some class <laughs> fives, you know what I'm saying? Like I'm some, yeah. like, that would be, that would be amazing just yeah. to have eternity to like, like, you know, well, oh, let me tell a quick story. I went kayaking with these guys. Um, uh, some of, I went kayaking with Noah who was like 12 and 13 and some of his friends, like three or four of his friends. And, uh, we got caught in this rainstorm that was just like a downpour and we're just kayaking along, you know, and just, there's nothing you can do. Cause you're just out in the middle of nowhere on this river. And one, one of the boys who's kind of, he's never done anything outdoorsy before. Mm-hmm. It was just kind of his first adventure in the outdoors. Um, he, he is just like, he's, he's just ecstatic over the fact, number one, that he's kayaking on a river. And then number two, that it's just like raining and he's not seeking shelter. And he's just like, he's just like blown away that we're not seeking shelter. <laughs> and there's no, and so, um, at one point it gets so, so heavy that we pull our boats over and we have to turn our boats upside down and get all the rainwater out. And he just like, he looks at me, he's like, can I, can I just jump in the river? And I'm like, go, for it, man. Just, I was like, put your life jacket on, just go for it. Yeah. Float downstream a little bit. And he's like, and I have a video of him running off the bank and jumping in the river in the middle of this downpour. And he goes, at the, right as, as he's mid air, he goes, thank you, Lord. Like, <laughs> his thank you, Lord. And he just like splashes into the water. But I picture that's, that's like me yeah, in eternity. I'm just going to be like, thank you, Lord. That is a, I love that, man. That's like an awesome story of like what enjoyment as worship is. Yeah, yeah. Like we'll get to explore a new earth. We'll get to swim in rivers and oceans and hike mountains. And the whole time we'll be aware of the presence of God. And all this is brought to us by the grace of God transforming it. Mm. And we'll never stop learning in the sense of, like you said, we'll, we'll learn about God and the nature of God. And it's an inexhaustible topic of study. But also I think we're probably going to like, do you think we'll learn about like, the realities of history and, and the mysteries mm. of earth that we never quite were able to figure out down here. Like we'll finally figure out like, like who really won the 2021 election. Or 2020 <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. We already know who it is. Don't go there. Yeah. Well, here's a question for you, Josh. Okay. Do all dogs go to heaven? No. What? <laughs> Will my 14-year-old golden retriever that is on her final months right now, will she be waiting for me in heaven? You know, back when I was executive pastor at Murfreesboro campus, Kirby Dudley, who worked in our children's ministry, came to me and Kirby asked me a question. She was very serious. She said, some of our children in our kids' ministry asked, will their dogs be in heaven? Mm. And very coldly from behind Mm. my desk, I looked at her and said, those dogs have not been made in the image of God. Mm. No. And she left my office crying. Uh, just kidding. 
that, that literally happened, but she didn't leave my office crying. I didn't say so coldly, but I think I've changed my opinion since then. And I have kids now. And, and, uh, so my heart's a little bit softer. It's not as hmm. hard as that cast iron heart I had six years ago. Um, the book of Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 11 and 65 pictures animals in the new creation. And so we get this picture that in the new creation, we're going to have lots of animals. And maybe they will be the ones that we lost here in this life. Maybe, maybe not. Hmm. But animals matter to God. He created animals. He didn't create them as equal as us. But like we, we know that like God cherishes and loves. The Bible says that there's not a sparrow that falls without the father knowing like he, and even the book of Jonah says that <laughs> you remember this verse in the book of Jonah, God says to Jonah, you don't think I should have mercy on the people of Nineveh who don't know their right hand from their left and also the cows. <laughs> so God wants to have mercy on cows. I'm like, God, seriously. Um, so yeah, I think there's going to be pets in heaven. Hmm. Hopefully not cats, but every other kind of animal. Yeah. Uh, will we remember all our memories from Earth, even the bad ones? Uh, that is a really good question. And we have on here Isaiah sixty-five sixteen: For the past troubles will be forgotten and hidden from my eyes. Um, it's likely only our past troubles will be forgotten, not all of our memories. Mm. Um, so yeah, I think I think we're spot on. Like our memories will be cleansed um, and. Yeah not fully erased, but redeemed and healed. So, you know, there's so many things that shape our adulthood that happened early in our life um, that I believe will be redeemed and fully bound up and healed Mm. uh, that won't inform our decisions and influence our behavior and our attitudes. Um, And then Revelation 21, 4 says, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For, for the old order of things has passed away. Yeah. So I think, I think, um, I think we will have memory, but I think we'll remember things differently, if that makes sense. Yeah. No, that does make sense. So all the things that cause this pain, we'll just remember them differently. It's not mm. going to cause us pain anymore. Uh, will we recognize our loved ones? Will we, will we know our spouse? Mm, I hope not. No, I'm, just kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> Sorry, Stacy. You know, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't see why not just like, uh, okay. So if, if Jesus is the first fruits of the resurrection of the dead, Mm -hmm. that's kind of a good template to see how the disciples interact with resurrected Jesus and they absolutely recognized him. Um, so yeah, I think, I think, uh, we'll probably know each other and recognize each other, but even know each other on a deeper dimension, if that makes sense. Yeah. 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 So no secrets, no sin. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So here's the question. Uh-oh. And here's the, you've waited this long will, to get the uh, answer. Will we be able to get jiggy with it? <laughs> <laughs> That's the most theological explanation of this question I've ever yeah. heard in my life. Thomas Aquinas says we will not be yeah. able to get jiggy with you it. You shan't be jiggy with it. <laughs> um, will we be able to enjoy sex in heaven? Hmm. And I think the answer to that is depends on what you mean by that. Hmm, Explain. So sex, yes. Sexual intercourse, no. So How are the two two different? 
Well, I'm so glad you asked. So the components of our sexuality that make us distinctly male and female, Mm -hmm. those are things that we have every reason to believe would carry over to our new body. So you're going to be male. I'm going to be male. Our wives will be female. Um, But we're not going to be married in heaven. That's what Jesus said in Matthew 22, 30. So at the resurrection, people will neither marry (coughs) nor be given in marriage. They will be like the angels in heaven. So because marriage is a relationship we have here in this life to point to the consummation between Christ and church, Jesus says it's not going to carry forward into the next life. So if there's no marriage in heaven, there's no need for procreation in heaven because there's no need to propagate any more human beings. And so if there's no procreation in heaven, there's not going to be any sexual intercourse in heaven. And some of us will read that and we're like, well, then I don't want to go. Um, I don't think we're going to have the desire. I don't think we're going to have the appetite. Hmm. I, I just don't think that's, that that's going to matter to us once we get there. Hmm. I think we'll, we, we will be able to appreciate God's creation of us as male and female, but not in the way that we do down here through the act of sexual intercourse within a marriage. I think there's going to be infinitely more gratifying delights in the world to come. And C.S. Lewis, as he so often does, puts this in like a really good description. Um, He says this, he says, I think our present outlook might be like that of a small boy on being told that the sexual act was the highest bodily pleasure should immediately ask whether you ate chocolates at the same time. (laughs) (laughs) On receiving the answer, no, he might regard the absence of chocolates as the chief characteristic of sexuality. In vain, would you tell him that the reason why lovers in their raptures don't bother about chocolates is that they have something better to think of? The boy knows chocolate. He does not know the positive thing that excludes it. We are in the same position. We know the sexual life. We do not know, except in glimpses, the other thing which is in heaven will leave no room for it. Hmm. So this picture of you have the birds and the bees talk with your son, and he goes, well, what? how can that be better than candy? Mm-hmm. And you're like, mm-hmm. son, trust me, it's better than candy. He's like, I can't imagine anything better than candy, <laughs> right? I have, God's I have. saying. <laughs> yeah, I have good friends. Well, finish your point, and then I'll tell a story, a funny story. Well, yeah, I mean, God's just saying, hey, listen, when you get to heaven— there's something better for you than sexuality. And we're going, but what could be better than sexuality? He's like, trust me, there is something better than sexuality waiting for you. And we have a hard time understanding that. So that's C.S. Lewis's point. So I have these friends and they have, they have three kids and uh, they, they, they were on this walk, the mom and and the three kids were on this walk and uh, the, the son just pipes up and he's like, mom, where do babies come from? So she, she uses an opportunity. She has this long talk and a good, you know, explanation of sex and procreation and all this. And the son who's young, maybe like, you know, less than 10 years old or something, he's like clearly disturbed by this. (laughs) And he looks up at the mom and he stops and he says, wow. So I'm so sorry. (laughs) He goes, so you and dad, have done that three times. <laughs> and he's like, he's just like, I sorry. Salute he's like, you. he's like grateful, but he's also, he feels sorry for them at the yeah, same yeah, time. Yeah, they had to it's so that. funny. Yeah, that's hilarious. All right. So will we eat and drink in heaven? Um, we can quote Mark 14, 25. Okay. 
Surely I say to you, I will no longer drink of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. Hmm. And Revelation 22, 1 through 3 says, A pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the middle of its street and on either side of the river was a tree of life which bore 12 fruits, each tree yielding its fruit every month. The leaves of the tree were like healing for the nations, and there shall be no more curse. Hmm. So post, like I said, the resurrection of Jesus is the first fruits of the resurrection. And I think we can look at that template and and glean some stuff from it. And the question is, did he eat post-resurrection? And the answer is yes, yes he, did. he did. Yeah. So yes, I think we will as well. Yeah. We probably won't eat meat. Hmm. Yeah, I yeah, I've heard that postulated. <clears throat> yeah. But I wonder if the tree of life that bears 12 fruits, if there will be some fruit that tastes like bacon. Or some fruit that tastes like a like a filet mignon. Yeah, it's probably. Man. Like I love some good red meat. Yeah, me too. But the Bible says no eye has seen nor ear has behold, no mind has imagined all the good things that God has in store for those who love him. So there are so many other things that God is going to give us and provide for us that we could imagine, we could speculate, we could postulate, but like we don't even come close to scratching the surface. Mm-hmm. So there's a mystery about that eternal state. Like there's a, we get these depictions of here's what it's going to be like. And the Bible's just like, also, um, there is so much more. Like, it's going to be better than you can imagine. And that's what gives us, I think, this... I love what Rich Mullins said in the song, uh, Calling Out Your Name. He the says, ragamuffin. The ragamuffin. He said, um, he talks about how this curse will not last long. And then he says, and I'm wild with the hope. Hmm. So that, like, when we get this picture, when we see a sunset, and we're just like, wow, that's beautiful. But in the new creation, we're going to see a sunset and a restored earth. Yeah. And something in our hearts just like cries out like your little buddy that jumped into the river yelling out, thank you, Lord. We're like, <laughs> we're wild with this hope of like, man, I pray that this curse does not last long. This, this does not last long and we're able to to see it sooner in our days. Yeah. So last two questions. Why doesn't God allow everyone to go to heaven? If it's going to be that good and God loves people, why, why can't just everybody go? Because he's a loving God and he doesn't force humans into his presence. Hmm. I mean, that's my, I mean, but I don't want to get into the weeds on like, like Calvinism versus Armenianism. But mm-hmm. like, I think just like I wouldn't force my sons to spend time with me and hope that they enjoy it. I want them to, I want them to want to spend time with me. Mm-hmm and to choose to spend time with me. Um, I think, I think that's why I think, and, and he's just, he's a just God. Right. Who, who doles out reward and then punishment. Mm-hmm. So truthfully, some people don't really want to be in the presence of God. They, they want mm-hmm. heaven. They just don't want God to be there when they get there. Yeah. So the only thing that makes heaven heaven is the presence of God. Mm-hmm. And we're only able to be in the presence of God when we're forgiven of our sins when we're restored and we're cleansed from our sins, because that's what God is doing. He's in the business of completely remaking and restoring all that is broken in the entire cosmos. But he starts with us first. 
Yeah. But not everybody wants that because not everybody is willing to say they're broken. Not everybody's willing to repent of their sin and not everybody is willing to confess their need for restoration from Jesus. And that's the only way that we can be in a restored heaven and a restored earth and a new Jerusalem is to say that I need to be restored. And the only way that can, I can get restored is from Jesus and not everybody's willing to say, I need Jesus. Yeah. And I think too, I hope, hopefully people have listened this far in, but it's important that we, according to first Peter three fifteen, he says, always be prepared to give an answer or like a reason mm-hmm. for, for the hope to, to any, to everyone who asked you to give the reason for the hope that you have. So, yeah. but to do it with gentleness and respect. So in other words, if you claim to have hope, you better be re- better be ready to give an explanation as to what that hope is and then why you have it. Yeah. And I hope that this, this podcast episode has, you know, better equipped you to be able to do that. Absolutely. And I think that the doctrine of heaven gives us hope when life on earth is painful and it doesn't make sense. And we just go, man, mm-hmm. how in the world is God good? How in the world does this life make sense? How in the world can it? Cause like we understand that this life now is tainted and under the curse of sin, but it's not always going to be like that. Mm-hmm. And so we, we have hope that someday there's not going to be any more cancer. Mm-hmm. There's not going to be any more abuse. There's not going to be any more murder. There's not going to be any more COVID. There's not going to be any of this. It's all wiped out. It's all cleansed. It's all clean. And, to quote Tolkien, everything sad becomes untrue. That's mm, your second Tolkien quote. It's the same episode. Tolkien quote as the first one, but oh, okay. I digress. <laughs> I thought it would make me sound more intelligent, but all the all the diehard Tolkien fans out there are just They're like, Jasper, yeah, you've never read, <laughs> you've never read the what's the the I was gonna say the Mandalorian. That's not it. The Cimmerillion. Yeah, oh. that's his uh, before he wrote the Hobbit and the Lord of the Rings, he wrote the Cimmerillion, which is the, again, I say before hardcore Tolkien fans are going to come after me. It wasn't before it was after. Mm, the, fact of the, matter, the fact of the matter is, is you could probably kick a bigger hornet's nest over James Tolkien <laughs> and his works than <laughs> over biblical theology. That's true. Yeah. All the Tolkien fans are so angry at me yeah. right now. Oh, quick, funny story. One time I was sighting in my compound bow, getting ready for hunting season. And I ran into a cosplay group called the Shire shooting club. Mm. And they were all dressed like elves and hobbits shooting longbows. And they glared at me with so much disdain mm. because I actually used my bow to kill actual game to feed my family instead mm. of putting on elf ears and frolicking through the soccer fields of Davidson County, Tennessee parks and rec department. <laughs> that's, that's a, a classic example of us having too much free time and too many calories. Yes. Like the fact that we had, there's a, there's subcultures of people who dress up like, like fairy tale Elves, characters yeah. and then go to, go to local parks and fight each other with foam swords or whatever. Yeah. Like that's, we, we've reached, like we're on the downward trend. of civilization, <laughs> I think at that point, <laughs> oh my friend well man have a good trip in uganda thank you sir we're gonna miss you you. and i'm gonna uh i'm gonna be meeting with matt and kelly erdman they actually live live in uganda and operate a really cool unique ministry there which i'm going to share with everybody so that'll be the next episode yeah i was me talking to these two guests so i'm looking forward to looking forward to listening that's gonna be great yeah 
All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. Uh, except for Scott Stapp, uh, we owe you some money. So yeah, we're still waiting for that that yeah. album, that new album to come out. Can you take me? Hey, okay, bye bye. Well, thanks for listening. That's our show. If you like what you've heard, make sure to give us a share, leave us a review, or send us an email at beardsandbiblepodcast at gmail.com.